Praise the Lord. If, you know, when we get to the other side, I think we're all going to be surprised at how simple this actually is. And yeah. it's just that we, um, you know, when we came into the kingdom, we, uh, many of us, most of us, did not really understand the nature of the kingdom. We didn't understand how this actually worked. And so we, were, we spent the first 10 years of our life kind of begging God to do stuff for us not realizing that God says, you know, you know, I'm crying out to God saying, give me more power. And he goes, I don't got any more. You have everything I've got. It's within you. You just have to learn how to use that power, right? Do you know these hands can be lethal weapons, right? I could go and train these hands to break wood and bricks and stuff. They can't do that right now. But that does not mean they can't do that right now. They can learn. They can do the things because within them is the power to be lethal weapons. Does that make some sense? It's exactly the same thing as our existence now. We have to realize that what God is beseeching us to do at this point is to learn how to do the very thing that is in that one simple scripture. I mean, imagine what your life would look like if it looked like that scripture in every level. Right? How much of a testimony would your life be to the kingdom of God and to the goodness of your father and how he wants to, not just in your life, but in every single life, six billion or se- however many there are of us now, seven billion of us coming up into that place where heaven on earth is being experienced right now in every area. That's God's plan. Now, you might not be close to that right now. It doesn't matter. Right? These hands are not very close to being lethal weapons unless I can slap you to death. Could be, that's right. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about today, a little bit of that, a little bit of kind of give some context to what has been coming up prophetically so far. We're discussing the concept of covenant and really beginning to walk into that understanding ourselves for our own lives yeah. so that I can understand the New Testament is about yes. a covenant that we have been, that has been made for us through Jesus with our Heavenly Father. That means... As you saw in scriptures in Ephesians chapter 5, where the, this, the, the metaphor, one of the metaphors that God is using for to, to describe to us what is the New Testament experience, he talks about us in relationship of a marriage in natural terms. So do I am to try and understand that my relationship with Jesus is as his wife. Now, that's kind of weird for us, for us guys, although less and less in our culture. The... Um, the the nature of my relationship with him should be the way Tina has a, uh, Pastor Tina has a relationship with me. As her husband, she relies on me. She thinks about me in certain ways. She depends on me in certain ways. She can trust me in certain ways. And if I was a good husband, let's say, for, for, the, for the sake of this story, that I am a good husband, then she could rely on me for a whole bunch of great things. How many of you know that? Because that's my relationship with her. She needs a light bulb changed. What do I do? right? I'd call Jason. That's what I do. But I, let's say I was a good husband, then I would go and help her and replace the, the light bulb. Because that's what I do, right? She can rely on me for a whole bunch of things. When we're relating to God, we have to learn the ability to rely on him to do those things, which he said, promised to us that he would do for us. And so what we're doing is we are learning how to step into that place of confidence. And you could see now when, you, when we begin to unpack this for the rest of this year, we're going to begin to see how everything awesome in the Old Testament 
is awesome in the New Testament as well because of this thing called covenant with Almighty God. And it, all of a sudden, when we understand covenant, concepts that were beyond our understanding are all of a sudden going to become so crystal clear to us. Yes. And that's the desire of God as he brings us through this journey. And so the title of today's message is, why is, Q, it's a long title, so maybe you have to change it. <laughs> why do we, the concept, let's put it like that, of today's message is, why are humans so in love with here? Why do we love here so much? And, I, and it was kind of dawning on me in these terms over the last couple of weeks. I've, I've, I think I've been away quite a bit over the last couple of weeks for various reasons. And uh, these concepts are rolling out in my mind. And I'm realizing that this concept of covenant is essential in one particular area. And that is to get us set free of the desire to live here. And I'm drawn often these days, I'm a, I'm a grandfather now of three, and I get to watch all of these beautiful young children grow up, and I'm captivated by the, the, the difference, the contrast between the mind and heart of a small child and that of, of, of a growing, per, an, an older person in today's culture. And I noticed that the, you, know, you can see real true design. Now, there's a bit of quirky things when they're little, but you can see real human design yes. in the life of a, of, a, of a young person who's not really been tainted and hasn't really been, you know, beat up by the world around them. And they're just expressing themselves in their beautiful humanness. I find them to be extraordinarily curious. I, I was, we have a little, little, you know, home garden, grow your own lettuce thing in, the, in Mike's basement. And I was doing some stuff there to make some changes in our, in our design. We're working on a project to be able to take it to Uganda in, when we're finally figured out how to do this. But anyways, and so part of that was I had to climb up into the rafters a wee bit of the basement and hang some stuff. And so I had this little, one of those little four foot ladders down there. And of course, I'm super good and always will be super good at putting stuff away when I've used it. And so, and then Tina and I were away over the last couple of days with all these events that we've been enjoying. Uh, I come home to find out that Olivia has now learned, how, she's one, how, learned how to climb to the top of that ladder that I mistakenly left down in the basement. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's quite... Uh, it's quite a, a normal thing for a very curious one-year-old to figure out how to climb up this ladder and stand literally, evidently, I haven't seen her do it yet, but I've been, I think I'm in a bit of trouble, but the, to stand up on that little platform on the top of that, just sort of looking around and seeing all the things that you can now see from four feet off the ground. So your curiosity drove her to step beyond the world that her here had made for her already. See, the world of here is the world that has become safe and, and comfortable. It has become predictable in each one of our lives. And so we become uh, very much addicted to the world of here. The problem is it is so evident that that's not actually the way we were designed. Right. That we were designed as human beings to be conquerors to be those people that uh, spied out a new land and then figured out how to, how to conquer that new land. But you see, it's, it's not that we are not like that. See, a lot of us are in our, here, are in our, little, our world of here, 
but we didn't, it, didn't, it wasn't always safe and comfortable. It wasn't always predictable. There was a time when the where you lived in now, the here you have now, used to be a there. It used to be somewhere you did not live comfortably. It was something you spied out. And in the season of your curious time or in the season of your uh, adventurous time, in the season of your conquering time, you saw the world that you live in now and desired to go there and conquer it. And in that conquering, to really two parts. The one is to invade it. Uh, that's kind of a very aggressive act where you kind of push yourself into that zone. And then there's the time when you inhabit it. And that is to try and figure out how to take this land, which is probably full of monsters at the time when we invade it. We want to tame it. We want to create a world that is now a place that is safe and comfortable and predictable. And so the design of God, you're living in it right now. The world of here that you live in right now used to be a world of there. It used to be a place that you needed to figure out how to conquer. It was at least the minimum level of life that you thought that you could handle is probably very close to the here that you live in now. And so you pushed yourself, as most of us do, and pushed ourselves and drove ourselves into getting at least this minimum level. The problem is, is that once we find that minimum level, there is a diminishing strength, a diminishing ability to be those people that would take the risk of our here in order to get our there. But can I tell you something? I believe that this is the nature, the reason that covenant in our lives is so important. Covenant is that thing that gives us the power, the desire, the grace to go there instead of just staying here and being comfortable for the rest of our lives. You see, we transform a scary and unpredictable there into a safe and productive here. You see, but you see, the problem is, is that when we get to the place where we become comfortable and we build walls around our here in order to protect it. Those walls aren't just stopping the monsters from coming in. They're also stopping us from going out. And the longer we stay in our here, the more we become unlikely to ever go there. And what we wanna talk about today is the fact that God does not like prisons. He doesn't like prisons that we make for ourselves and he doesn't like prisons that other people make for us. When we go a little further into our discussion on covenant this year because we so misunderstand the nature of God because of the Old Testament where we see God doing all kinds of what appears to be very nasty things to people. Instead of understanding it from a covenant perspective, we understand it from a human perspective. You see, all God is doing is God is refusing to allow his children to live in anybody else's prison. He's refusing to allow allow conquering nations to keep his people enslaved. He's refusing to see them at the hand and mercy of other nations. And if it need be that God do as any mother would to protect her children, You see, that brings the whole Old Testament into perspective. It also brings the New Testament into perspective. When we realize that God 
is ultimately committed to removing any of the prisons that exist in your life, preventing you from staying in the mediocre here. When God says, the world you belong in is there. Now, you see, we have gone and done a lot of work over the last decade, as many of you know, on working with the first level of the problem. And the first level of the problem are the fears. Well, let's just maybe use it, use it diagrammatically. We end up living in a world like this. We start off in a world like that. And slowly but surely, this is the minimum world that we, are, we're, we will permit ourselves to live in. We'll keep fighting and fighting and fighting until we extend our borders all the way out to those limits. And the closer we get to those limits, the less and less and less motivated we are to keep breaking the limits because we're getting it close to our minimum existence. The problem is for most people and most of us in this room is that as we began to grow this circle, we grew it filled with fear. We learned through our experiences that there's monsters out there. Right? Most people, when they're zero to 10, they're fearless, they're courageous, they're running their mini bikes all over the place, they're jumping off of this and jumping off of that and climbing through this and running into that. And that usually goes on till they're about 10 years old. And when they turn 11 or so, they start realizing that stuff hurts when you fall. You start realizing that that doesn't look that cool when other people ridicule you. That you start realizing that there is, there is a constant flow of information coming your way that tell you that you're weak, you're vulnerable, and you're alone. And we keep pushing and pushing and pushing at those fears as we move them out and move them out and move them out as best we can. The problem of this existence, which all of us have experienced, is that by the time we get to the end of at least what we said, this is the minimum of what I can take in my life, we push ourselves out into those realms and we are maxed. We're dealing with fears and we're dealing with all kinds of the manifestations of those things in our lives. And it's not long before we're coming after God saying, God, I need some help because our house of cards that we have built in order to make this all happen is starting to crumble. We're starting to have financial issues or health issues or family issues or addiction issues or fear issues or stress issues or whatever. And slowly but surely, this world is starting to come crumbling in on us. And we reach out to God saying, God, I need your help because this house that I build is all of a sudden starting to collapse in around me. And we come to God. Here we are. We've walked in the beautiful glass doors of Light City Church and we realize, God, I desperately need your help. God then goes to work. He begins to deal with, first of all, you're here. Because when most of us come into the world of the kingdom, God realizes that we have built a house of cards, built of fear, dread, and selfishness, and that sucker ain't going to last through the next storm. And so what God begins to do is he begins to deal with the fears, all the internal things that deal with our here. Why is it that I can't be happy no matter where I am? Why am I miserable all the time? Why, am I la why is there lack in my life? Why is there anger? Why are there addictions? Why are there all of these things? All of them rooted in the deceptions and lies that have been taught to us through our pushing and pushing and pushing at our world, trying to figure things out in order to get the minimum lifestyle that I thought I deserved. And God then, then he's certainly done beautiful work with us here as we've learned how to do that. We've learned how to use Jesus's Mark 4, 
uh, mechanism in order to begin to change our belief systems, turning the truth, turning the lies and deceptions into the truth. Most of us, when we got into the kingdom, we, we, had, to, we had to come face to face with the fact that 99%, perhaps even 100% of the things that we believed were actually not true. Jesus warned us about that in Luke chapter 11 when he said, make sure that the light, the truth that is within you is not actually darkness. It's not actually deception, even though we think it's true. And then what he set us to then was this journey of fixing all the here so that I can live inside of my life without all the negative emotions, all the torments, all the fears, all the selfishness, all the destructive behaviors that are causing my, my roof to collapse. And we go along that road for a while because God is trying to bring us into a place where our here at least is healed. And through that we see from, from Jesus's ministry that he was sent to heal the brokenhearted. First of all, he was sent to remove the lack and insufficiency that is in our lives, preaching the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are captives, to uh, uh, sight to the blind, to uh, overcome all of these internal realities that each of us grew up in. It's Jesus's ministry as the truth, as the savior, to cause us to step from one side of this equation of deception, causing all of these fears and torment, into a place where at least we could handle the world that we lived in now, but live it from a perspective of truth, where faith, hope, and love were the, the, the main structural beams in, that, uh, in our lives, so that at least we could be productive and live whole lives here. How many of you can tell that we're going somewhere here that God has never intended then? <clears throat> Let me just read my notes here. We, we met Jesus terrified of shadows. Almost every part of our lives were riddled with fear, dread, and selfishness. We were a mess, spirit, soul, and body because almost everything we believed was a lie. This is the majority. Now remember, <clears throat> we have to do this in a, setting it up in a priority sequence here too. When we first come to God, his focus is on here. One of the things I notice about half the people that I meet, as soon as they come to God, they are looking for there. Okay? Can I tell you something? The reason that people, when they first come to God, are looking for there is because here sucks. <laughs> the problem is God's not going to talk to them about there because he knows that the reason life sucks isn't because of here, right? If he sent you there from here, there would become like here. It would just be 10 times more complicated. Does that make sense? So what's important in the journey is that we prioritize. God wants to get here healed first. How many of you remember the Gladiator movie? Probably the best movie of all time, so you probably do all remember it. Do you remember the scene in the very beginning with, with um, Maximus and the emperor when they were in the tent? And the emperor was asking Maximus if he would become the protector of Rome. How many people remember the answer? Oh, my gosh. I need, I need to go to a different church. Where, where, come on. Who knows the answer to that? <clears throat> he said this. 
the, the, the emperor turns to Maximus and says, Maximus, I need you to become the protector of Rome. Maximus turns to him, stands at attention like this, you'll remember. And he said, with all my heart, no. And the emperor turns back to him and says, that is why it must be you, right? Now, this is what's important about this part of the journey. So when we are in our early season of our walk with the Lord and we're all focused on getting there, we're focused on there because we are living in such a muck here. Once we get all of this healed, this is what's so important about right now and why here can be our enemy. Once we get all of these issues healed, we don't want to go there anymore because now here is paradise to us. Do you see the problem that God has created for himself? If only he had an answer for this dilemma that he has created by making here so much fun to stay in. See, this is the reason that covenant becomes so important. Covenant is what caused, what empowered Abraham to leave. That's right. Yep. It's what caused Esther to go. It was what made David run towards Goliath. It was that very thing that when we possess it, we get the power with that to go to our theirs when God had always determined that there was where your life was supposed to go. Once he gets this part fixed, and if you're not there, or you're not, I don't think we're ever there there, but the more we don't want to go, the more it's time to go. The more comfortable here becomes, the more timely it is in your life for you to begin the journey of discovering there. And what it takes in order to do that is to understand how the covenant in your life transforms your perspective to be able to stir up what needs to be stirred up in order to go there. Turn with me over to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18 for a moment. This is beautiful scripture that John talks about. Now we have, we're stepping not beyond, but on top of what Jesus taught us when it comes to us being healed on the, outs, in the, on the inside where we have dealt with the reasons that all the negative emotions, all the fears, all the overwhelmed, all of the issues that were created by life as we were trying to live it as a natural person inside of the here that we had developed for ourselves. When God begins to bring all of that healing to us, he's setting us up to be in a whole place that then from that whole and strong place, we can begin to extend the boundaries of our lives. When God begins to say that he wants us to go there, we have to figure out how to extend our lives in order to encapsulate there into our world. And God wants to keep on doing this with all the theirs that, are, that he has out there for us so that our lives eventually look as big as God intended them to look. It's from that place now that we start not only to be living in the destiny that God had given us, but also we get to empower all the people that are now part of our enormous world with an understanding of how they too can live in this, and they too, and they too, and they too, and they too, until the whole earth is filled with heaven on earth, just like this. If we remember back in Romans chapter 7, when we started the journey on this teaching, I remarked to you that 
The purpose of covenant is to bear fruit. Realizing that as we bear fruit, which is the extending of our lives continually as God leads us into bigger and bigger and bigger theirs. That is what God is talking about when it comes to bearing fruit. That your life continually grows and grows and grows and grows, influences more and more and more people, not just in word, but in the, the nature of your life itself. That as you begin to start taking on things that other people would call impossible, certainly for someone like you, and all of a sudden the next thing they do is turn around and they see you living victorious within that thing, it starts to get their attention. They start to realize there's something different about you. When, when we, if we, if we're, we, we are, I'm trusting we are going to eventually get there to study Deuteronomy chapter 28, but it tells us that we will be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, that we will be the envy of other people because of the covenant that is going, that is the, 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 the blessing that is being created by the covenant that we have with Almighty God. And the power of that is not just seen as we live in our basements with our 52-inch TV, but it gets to be this whole wide project that God is calling us to, each individually, in the purpose and destiny that we have, and then corporately, and then on and on and on and on it goes as we, as we covenant and we draw together. In First in John now, chapter four, it's talking about that perfect love casts out all fear. And now, remember that this is John talking. So this is after the gospels. This is, this is now, the new, Jesus has already gone to heaven. It's already much into the early church. And so the fears that he's talking about are not the fears that we overcome using the transformative power by dealing with issues, experiences, trauma, woundings, and all of those things of our past, of our distant past with our generations and all that. All that stuff is, is able to be fixed because I can find it. Right? If, I, if, I am a, if I'm a, afraid of uh, black people and B walks into the room and then I feel this fear of black people and then I can deal with that because I feel the fear. Yeah. Do you understand? If I have, you know, I'm running out of money and I feel afraid because I'm running out of money, then I can feel that, I can identify it and I can say, well, that obviously is not supposed to be in me. I can find the truth, get rid of the lie, dup -de -dup -de, and I can be healed myself. Amen. That part of the New Testament is really from back in the Gospels. By the time we get to what John is talking about, he's talking about a completely different concept of fear. It isn't, the, it isn't I'm not saying it isn't, it is all fear, okay? But it's specifically referring to the fear of the unknown. It is not wrong to fear the unknown. By its very nature, not and, and it, you know, it's, the word is phobos. The word for fear is phobos, which is the word we would know in our modern vernacular as a phobia. Right. It, is good, it is not unwise to fear things that you do not understand yeah. or that you do not know about. And most of us, when we are dealing with this journey to open up a whole new world of our lives, go into a whole new venture, step out in a whole new way from which we have no experience in the past for, it's normal for us to feel 
a little bit weird about that because we don't understand what monsters are out there. We probably assume there are monsters out there. There are things that are going to give us opposition, that are going to be struggles and strains. There are things that are going to require us to know some stuff. The problem is, as we look at taking the journey, we're thinking, I have no idea what I even need to prepare for. And that nature, the way the fear of the unknown hits us is it causes us to hesitate, causes us to procrastinate. It causes us to just leave that instruction of the Lord on the back burner until we've forgotten about it. Because we don't like the concept of stepping into this place of the unknown. Particularly, when we have become super comfortable with our here. What would motivate me to go out there where there be monsters when I live really comfortably right here? And for most, and I, I, I really do believe that this is the reason that we don't need the teaching on covenant in modern churchianity. Because we have no intention of going there. And so all I really am looking for is I need Jesus to fix my hair. Once he's fixed my hair, catch y'all later. See you in heaven. Because I'm not looking for any more trouble. I'm not looking for any more challenges. I'm not looking to conquer the world. I'm just looking to pay my bills and, you know, live happy, get a 62-inch TV, and I'm, I'm good. I'm good. We've completely mediocritized. Nice, eh? Give me some of that. TM on that word. <laughs> we have completely mediocritized our entire world. And we're living so much less than what we were designed to live. Not a criticism. It's the opportunity that stands before us right now. As we say, you know, why would I bother with this whole covenant thing? Isn't there like 100% in the part of the equation here? Why would I be looking to pay 100% for what? So I go to church on Sunday? No, 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 no. Getting yourself to the place where you're good with 100% in is what's giving you access to the life that you have always intended to live. The life that calls you on the inside. One of these times I have a teaching in my book called The Longing Within. That thing that will not let us rest because we know that we were created for something so much more than what we are living right now. No matter how many things we buy, we will not satisfy the longing within. You see, covenant is the very mechanism. Watch how this works. Covenant is the very mechanism that when we become one with this concept, like what Jess was saying, what Tina was saying earlier, that the power of God on the inside of us, changes our very nature. We are no longer, we will become no longer those people who are scared by every shadow, who are spooked by every monster. Instead, we become those people when we realize, you mean to tell me that whatever monsters are out there, whatever situation I may face, no matter what impossible may be waiting for me outside that line, me and God are inevitably destined to overcome those things and create a, a whole different landscape into that area. When we get to understand 
That is the very nature of our relationship with God. Can I tell you something? We can't wait to go. Can I tell you something? You start getting, you start getting bored with the, with the beautiful here and now. You know, I remember that scene. Uh, sorry, I'm doing so many movie scenes today. Remember the scene from Matrix when uh, uh, Mr. No, yeah, Morpheus is the guy. Who's the bad guy? Mr. Anderson has Morpheus tied up, remember, in that high tower? And he was telling them about this AI, or AI experience where he created a, where they created a world for human beings that was perfect in every way. And he says, the problem is you died of boredom. He says, we had to create a world for you that was full of pain and suffering in order to get you out of bed in the morning, Ian's paraphrase. You see, what happens is, is that when we, uh, God created us humans to be those people that enjoy conquering, the creating, making things that are messy, orderly, making things that are broken, fixed, making things that are unproductive. We love to make them productive. It's what wakes us up in the morning. It's what gives us purpose and meaning. And you see, when we begin to grab onto this and realize that the very destiny that God called you to, not to do by yourself, but to do with him, as a vital part of your every moment experience, knowing that it's through the covenant with God that no matter how big the monsters be, you have the power to overcome them. Life then doesn't become a struggle, a struggle for survival. Life becomes a battle to overcome and possess the very destiny that was given to you before the world even began. This is the power of the covenant. See, other, uh, you'll, you'll see this when you watch other people, things in our world, in our secular world, people looked for a higher power. You ever heard that term before? They look to mammon. They want lots of money to be able to control an uncertain future. They look to superstition, you know, the tarot cards and all of these type of things. And uh, even some of the things that are new age things of, of uh, you know, vision and expectancy and the secret and all of these kind of things that, that the law of attraction, uh, they're just trying to get some kind of control over the future that they see as incredibly uncertain. They turn to science. Maybe science will figure it out. They, maybe they turn to the supernatural. These rabbit's feet give us courage. They're not even real. And they give us courage. It is hard for us to leave here, especially with all the fears about going there. God is not really talking about there in people. I've already done that. Gladiator, good, we've done that. Wow, we're making progress, folks. Okay, let me read you a few things that I, that I penned down. The most powerful belief in all history is the one that gives us courage in the face of adversity. Those who possess it shape the future. If you should believe anything on purpose and teach it to your children, it would be some fairy tale or superstition, religion or science, that is sufficient to give you courage in the face of an uncertain future. Those who live in our present world, where we have been taught to believe ostensibly nothing, are thereby forced by their own timidity to live mediocre lives, lured like mice into a trap with the promise of a mouthful of cheese. You see, the reason God gave us the covenant is because he understood that the nature of our lives was way beyond 
the average existence of the culture or the society that we find ourselves in. Covenant is about there. It's about who you are and why you're here. As we look at these words, we try to figure out when Jesus was talking about this concept of love, agape. We have struggled for thousands of years to understand what that means. Agape is simply the, the relational experience of people within a covenant. And when you read it like that throughout all of scripture, all those things that were almost ununderstandable come into clear focus. And we begin to understand why covenant has become so important to God bringing us systematically through to the place where we get the understanding on the inside that God, it's not, he's not just with me religiously. He's not just the rosary in my pocket. It is literally the power of almighty God, the very presence of almighty God, living, existing in partnership with us every second of our lives. Here's another quote for you. Where are the fearsome taunts of the ghost of future days in the brightly lit gaze of the master of eternity, the one who created and commands the sands of time without whose permission no clock ticks or talks? And the rate at which you expand your borders and lengthen your cords is directly related to how much courage you possess continually to step beyond the known borders of your experience with an unwavering expectation of success. You see, the problem where, where people who have first in, come to the Lord and they try to go there from here, the reason God does not want you to do that is because you end up fighting on two fronts. You end up dealing with the monsters of the new place you're going, as well as dealing with the demons that are within you. That's why people can't do it. It's simply too hard. Instead, God says, let's, you're cool. Everything's fine where you are right now, but you must focus on getting rid of all of these fears. Because when we get rid of all of these fears, then it is from that platform that gives us the power to deal with whatever, there, whatever is out there without the monsters creating fear in you, creating a negative expectancy in you. And when there's fear and a negative expectancy, now the demon, the, the monster, whatever the situation is that's out there does in fact have power over you. You have to be able to go out there knowing, in whom, knowing who is with you knowing that the very God that, is, that, is, uh, th that controls the entire universe dwells on the inside of you, monster, be as big as you like at that point because you're not fighting me. Now that preaches good, but in order to live that in real life, that's what we're talking about here, what will get us out of our presently held borders of our safe little world in order for us to at least have the courage to take one step outside of those things, you must know that the God that is with you is the God of eternity. Yes. The God who, uh, who treats time like a DVD 
He can run it. <clears throat> he can run it forward or backward at will. He sees your tomorrow. He sees the day after that. He sees all of creation, all of time, all at one time. I don't, I don't get how he does that, but he does. And so when we know, <clears throat> as we face the uncertainty, as we face all of the timidity and the, and the, you know, the procrastination that is created by this fear of the unknown, when I know that I'm with somebody who it is not unknown, all of a sudden, that timidity goes away. Imagine again, watching a small child. Maybe there's a, a, a dog. We're out for a walk and a big, uh, you know, big Donovan's big black hairy dog comes up and meets us on the parkway. Now, if Donovan just let, you know, flicked off the leash and let the dog run for Olivia, how many of you know Olivia would be freaked out by that? Because it's unknown to her. But if Bubba is there and Donovan is there and we introduce her to the dog very carefully, she's not trusting in the dog. She's trusting in me and Donovan, right? Because she knows we know. I mean, she doesn't even know that we know, but she knows we know. And all of a sudden, she has all kinds of courage, too much courage now. <laughs> as she lunges for this dog to play with him and all of those things. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You can see the situation is instantly and dramatically different. Simply because Olivia knows that he, she can trust in me. That I will protect her. I'll keep her safe. I would not let her go there if I thought the dog was not safe for her to be with. Does that make some sense? All of a sudden, you get a bill in the mail for $4 million. Like, what, where's the context for that in our lives? Right? That's way beyond any faith that you may have developed over here. That's the problem. Instead of that, when we realize that the God of covenant is already here, he's calling me out there, and he's already ready for everything we are ever going to need when I get there. Now, certainly, I don't want to live in the place, as I didn't hear, I don't want to live in the place where I don't have any faith. No, my faith gets to grow along the way. But how many of you can see in the chronological process, you have the experience, then you develop the faith? Because now you know you didn't have it when you went through the muck the first time you did it. Do you understand? So we are constantly living in this place, as we follow God, where we are one step behind the faith that we need. So we're always living in this place where I am overwhelmed by the fact that I don't have enough faith to be at the level that I'm already at. Does that make sense, everybody? And so what's happening when we have covenant, covenant is that piece that says the part that I don't have, when I get, whatever part that might be, when I get there, no, 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 wait a minute. If Livia takes $1 to, the, to, the, to Sobeys to buy a candy bar that's $1.75, she doesn't have to worry. Yeah. Do you know why she doesn't have to worry? Because Bubba's going to hook her up, right? Bubba's got the 75 cents. Now, I'm going to ask her to put her dollar in so I don't spoil her, right? But then I'll be there. Don't worry. Shh. Bubba makes up the difference. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That's how God is. 
And then you get, after a while, you start learning that, that God is always going to do that for us. He never wants us to be the people who lay down and wait for him to drop grapes into our mouths. That's not what it's about. It's about the adventure. It's about you becoming that person through all of the experiences going from here to there. It's all of those experiences that are, the, that are going to make your life feel as though you are accomplishing the very thing you were called to do from the very beginning. But without a revelation of covenant, what's that quote? The greatest belief that you could have. Where is it now? I'll read it to you again. If you should believe anything on purpose and teach it to your children, it would be some fairy tale or superstition, religion or science that is sufficient to give you courage in the face of an uncertain future. Can I tell you, we don't have to worry about the fairy tale or superstition. We have to worry about the religion or science. Do you know what? God has already said, he's already asked you if you would like to live in covenant with him. If you would like the very power of God himself resident on the inside of you. It is simply that you and I need to believe that. We need to believe it so that when we wake up in the morning and we're faced with that fear, it dissipates as easy as the morning mist when we realize, wait a minute, oh, yeah, no, that's a thought from back when I was single. You haven't met my husband, right? You didn't introduce your fears to your husband. You need to let him know. No, 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 there's no such thing as unprepared in our family. There's no such thing as caught short. There's no such thing as monsters too big. There's no reason, none, why we should hesitate even for a moment at the instruction, the vision, the destiny, the purpose of God in your life. Not one moment. Put your hand over your heart. Say, Jesus, I am so ready for our journey together. I'm so glad that you've healed my ear. I'm so glad that fear and dread and selfishness are no longer part of my life. But I know that's not been your purpose. It's been part of our journey, preparing us to enter a covenant with Almighty God. And when we do that, we are empowered to pursue with all expectancy the destiny that you've given us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.